Battery bill. Battery bill. For cameras, computers, cars, or scooters. For trucks, boats, jet skis, remotes. Battery bill. Battery bill. All right, how's it going, everybody? We welcome you to another edition of Hawaii Football Now. This is episode 53. Jordan Helly, Hunter Hughes back with you. Uh, week two of the season, technically week one, as you look at it, but heading into the second game of the season for the University of Hawaii football team. We do want to send a mahalo out to our sponsor, Spectrum Mobile, Hawaii USA Federal Credit Union, and our newest sponsor, Battery, Battery Bill. Bill. One of the OGs. We are stoked to have Battery Bill on board, uh, but we do record this Tuesday at about 7.15 Hawaii time in the morning. It was set to release this on Thursday, September 1st. Hawaii Football Now is brought to you by Hawaii USA Federal Credit Union. As Hawaii's largest credit union, they are committed to serving individuals and businesses through its 14 branch locations statewide and convenient digital banking services. As a leader in providing support for the islands, Hawaii USA is committed to strengthening Hawaii's financial wellness and sharing successes with members, local businesses, and the greater community. Visit HawaiiUSAFCU.com. All right, opening drive time. Uh, a little self-aggrandizement here. Uh, this Friday, September 2nd, so a day after release, episode 53. That's our one-year anniversary, Hunter. I don't know if you realized it, uh, but our first episode was released September 2nd, 2021. We have basically made it a full year. We had episode 52 Last week, we had episode 50. Obviously, a few weeks ago, we had Timmy Chang on. We've been hitting some milestones here, but one year, man, it's kind of flown by. Love you, baby. It's been great. <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah, man. It's been it's fun. A, say time flies when you're having fun. And uh, I will admit, I did not think it was going to be this smooth to get like a full year, especially during the offseason. Uh, but crazy enough, uh, the University of Hawaii football team is the gift that keeps on giving and the, uh, the storylines that keep on producing uh which this week there is no shortage as well yeah uh, so that'll give us a nice segue into the game time portion and game one of the timmy chang era a promising start to the era that uh, kind of fizzled and came to a screeching halt in the third quarter of a 63 to 10 beatdown ultimately at the hands of vanderbilt it started off promising as we mentioned hawaii took the opening kickoff 75 yards and eight plays to go up seven to nothing quickly on the Commodores, <clears throat> you know, showcasing a kind of a quick hitting RPO system that, you know, effectively moved the chains. They picked up a couple of third downs and then ultimately led to a 37 yard Dedrick Parson touchdown run. Uh, and more or less, that was kind of the highlight of things for the UH on offense for the entire game. Some other promising drives, but never quite put it, put it back together the way we saw early on Vanderbilt didn't tie the game until 36 seconds left in the first quarter. And so the first quarter Hawaii really played on the front foot. Um, it was a 90 yard Commodore drive. The touchdown pass came on a defensive misassignment. There was some personnel trying to get shuffled on a guy was end up left unguarded and uh, an easy touchdown toss for Mike Wright in that one. Um, then things went South. Uh, Diedrich Parson fumble popped right in the hands of Anthony Orgy, one of the leading tacklers for, Vanderbilt for a 28-yard touchdown return. I don't even think the thing hit the turf. Uh, and all of a sudden, Hawaii goes from down uh, up seven to down seven in 15 seconds. And recovered okay, I thought, in the second quarter. You know, they responded with a field goal after a 12-play drive, another lengthy, kind of solid clock-eating drive to make it 14-10, about five minutes into the second quarter. Uh, and Vanderbilt really kind of kept it there and then scored late 
in the second quarter, 21 to 10. Now, after a lucky, I mean, I think that's fair to say fourth down conversion where the intended receiver was not the guy who caught the ball, (laughs) you know, to keep that drive alive down inside the 10 yard line, it ends up punching it in. And so, you know, it was 21, 10 at halftime. And I think all things considered those three touchdowns, Hawaii's kicking themselves because very preventable. I think the first touchdown, they probably score, even if they, they get the the assignment, right? Vanderbilt was on the doorstep, but the second touchdown off the fumble, the third touchdown, just following the fourth down conversion where Hawaii looked like they had defended it. All right. Uh, And then the third quarter things came off the rails. Uh, Vanderbilt scores on four straight offensive possessions to start the second half that was sandwiched around another Parson fumble that was returned directly for a touchdown. Um, Quarterback wise, Braden Shaker plays the first half in the fourth quarter. Basically, Joey Yellen played the third quarter. Uh, we'll get into a little bit deeper discussion on the quarterback situation, but some of your initial uh, takeaways from the way this thing played out, Hunter. Well, before I dive into the actual game, it was an absolutely electric environment down at TC Ching Complex. I mean, being down there on the sideline, the new turf new football environment obviously we've this has been the the site of our games for the last couple of years but Jordan there wasn't a seat open in the entire place I mean it was jam-packed and when we scored that opening drive man uh and Parsons broke out that long run I mean the roof blew off of that place it was awesome and uh, even some some clippings of uh, some newspaper started to float down from the yeah. heavens. Yeah. Um, I don't know who initiated that, but it had a feeling of the uh, Aloha Stadium of old down there. And then um, all of a sudden we came back down to earth <laughs> um, in uh, the, the coming minutes on the field. And yeah, you, you know what? Initial thoughts of the game, I thought that our offensive line played absolutely fantastic. I felt like they did a really good job giving our quarterbacks the time that they needed. Um, I felt like some of our receivers uh, weren't exactly situationally sound. Um, You could tell on a few plays, like when we tried to take that shot to Jordan Murray in the corner of – I guess that would be the Southwest end zone. Um, I think that was in the, either the first quarter or the second quarter. It was one of our initial shots. Um, uh, Ati Malala brought his receiver, uh, brought his cornerback, I should say, right up next to him. And that guy ultimately kind of made a play on the ball. The the throw from Shager was overthrown, but um, that wouldn't happen if receivers went where they were supposed to go. So I think in a lot of ways, it felt like our guys were still kind of getting um, the the Knicks out, kind of uh, just getting into the flow of the season. We kind of expected that. That, That's going to happen with any kind of new coaching regime. It's going to take a few reps uh, to kind of get their uh, to get their feet wet. And then, you know, defensively, it kind of seemed like we were overwhelmed from the get go. I had a conversation with coach Reinbold uh, last week in practice. And he was saying, if we could force this quarterback to remain a quarterback, meaning make him hurt us with his arm, we were going to have a good chance to win this game. And what happened? This guy used his feet, got out of the pocket, scrambled around 
And anytime you're trying to tackle a kind of quick, uh, elusive, and outright speed quarterback, a phenomenal athlete, you're going to have your hands full um, uh, just from a defensive perspective. So that's kind of what I um, saw right off the bat, Jordan. Yeah, I, I shared a lot of similar, I think, observations. It, it was uh, an offensive line, I think, that, again, will, will, will be a strength for this University of Hawaii team, right? So I don't know if that makes it more concerning by the lack of offensive production. It's like, hey, if you can take care of that offensive line, right, that, that's, that's priority number one. They're, the running game seemed to be – a weapon and then they kind of got away from it a little bit obviously the fumbles didn't help um there was time to throw but there, there wasn't a chance to really get anything explosive outside of that 37 yard touchdown run from Dedrick Parson um you saw some flashes from some of these guys right I think Zion Bowens got held to one catch uh Jordan Murray got held to one catch even though they were they seemed to emphasize him early especially in that first quarter yeah. uh the, the the transfer tight end who, who looks the part <laughs> right everybody's been raving about him how he's looked in practice he looked the part on the field as well yeah. um and it's kind of funny to see him sort of operate right he's detached a lot he's not necessarily lined up as an inline tight end they move him around they they motion him he's all over the place he, he kind of looks like a you know and he's he's number seven so it kind of just looks like calvin turner's back out there operating in in similar areas of the field albeit murray's a, a, a bit bigger uh, than Calvin was, but, uh, you know, it's just uh, bringing some flashbacks there. Um, you know, this this uh, a game where Hawaii had 358 yards of total offense. Vandy had 601. Uh, they had they had some explosive plays, including that long touchdown run by Wright. Um, Hawaii ran more plays, 81 to 72 for Vanderbilt. Uh, Vandy ran for 404. Yeah, that's 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 a lot of the mobile quarterback and, and the 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 design of their offense. And I, and I do think that is a, that is an area of highlight, if not concern for the university of Hawaii defense. Like, Hey, you face some of these mobile quarterbacks that might be, you know, tough sledding Hawaii, 108 yards on the ground, 4.2 yards per carry. Uh, again, it, it wasn't all bad on the ground. Be it, the turnovers really kind of doomed them. Hawaii threw for 250, Vandy just 197. They didn't really need to throw it all that much, just kind of situationally, but the, 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 the turnovers, right. Yeah. Four Hawaii fumbles. They lost two of them. We've already highlighted what happened to the two of those on zero takeaways by this Hawaii defense. And that was something that I think carried Hawaii last year, right? For all of the, the turmoil and everything like this, that defense last year was really good yes. at taking the football away. Yeah. They gave up some big chunk plays. That was kind of their Achilles heel, but they took the football away. Uh, and that really kept them in football games for an offense that wasn't all that productive. Uh, and that was kind of the recipe to five uh, a game under 500 last year for the University of Hawaii. Um, negative two in the turnover battle and points off of turnovers, right? Basically two touchdowns to, to obviously none. That was that was a big negative for the University of Hawaii in this one. Yeah. And so, you know, I kind of curious, Hunter, what, what you thought of the offense overall. We'll get into the defense here in just a second, but kind of curious what you thought of the offense overall in what it looked like what it's got the potential to look like and, and kind of maybe how the pieces fit into what that offense is trying to do. Yeah. Um, that first drive, Jordan, I was like, wow, I, are we in store for, is, is this what's in store for the season? <laughs> I mean, they spread the ball beautifully to the outside, a lot of quick throws, uh, felt like Shager hung in the pocket and made a couple of, uh, 
um, good reads, um, a nice little slant route, and kind of it felt like they sucked in the um, uh, the corners and the exterior uh, defensemen, and then popped that outside zone read, uh, beautiful uh, outside zone run beautifully, and took off, and we're we're off to the races, and then it seemed like we kind of went uh, stagnant after that. Um, obviously Zion Bowen's kind of getting hurt after that initial drive, uh, with some, some soreness in, in one of his legs, uh, that hurts cause he's one of our go-to receivers. Um, it was, uh, still kind of tough Jordan to put a label on what we were seeing. Uh, they definitely did a lot of RPO, uh, run pass option for those listening at home. Uh, and not just front side run pass option, but they would fake the run left and then quickly turn around and throw a slant right, which from a, a defensive perspective is very hard to cover. Um, but also from a quarterback's perspective, very hard to deliver as well. Um, Cause you're basically having to look over your shoulder and make a read. Um, but uh it seemed like just from my observation that the defensive ends from Vanderbilt were allowed to crash um, without much check. And so there was no fear from Vanderbilt that we were going to pull the ball and run around the corner. And so there was no, um, there, there, there was no, um, need to what's the word contain there was no need for them to contain because they could fly free knowing that either they're going to hand the ball off or they're going to throw right here they're definitely not going to run around me so it made it kind of easy work for vandy um on the defensive front and then at that point it felt like every throw that we uh saw from either um shager or um yellen was kind of off their back foot they were kind of just back here the whole time and we never could really get them to stand in the pocket firm uh, and make a good conscious throw. So that was kind of my observation of what I was seeing out there. Um, I don't know if they're going to change the scheme a whole lot, if they're going to change a quarterback. Uh, one thing is apparent, though, these coaches are not set on who who's going to be the quarterback because we went with uh, Shager. We pulled him at halftime. We put Yellen in there. Yellen strung a couple of plays together. I'll give him that. Um, but then the wheels quickly fell off uh, in his second or third uh, possessions. And then we jumped back into Shager at the end of kind of the fourth quarter right there. So um, I wish I had a little bit more, you know, concrete things to, to talk about, Jordan, but it kind of seemed a little all over the place. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's reflected by the results that we saw, right? Some 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 good early drives, some some mixed results in the middle of the game, but nothing that they were able to kind of put together, kind of like what we saw early in the game. You know, Shager goes 18 to 35 through the air, 161 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. Yellen right at 50%. You know, Shager's just a, a, sh a shade higher than that. He went 10 of 20, 89 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. No rushing yards, really, to speak of for either of the two, both in the negatives. Um, there was no running threat from the quarterback position. That's something that that people have pointed out, right? And, and obviously, after 
a few years of having guys like Chevin Cordero and, and Cole McDonald as the quarterbacks in years past, very mobile quarterbacks that were legitimate, legitimate run threats um, that, that will keep defenses honest, that will force them to at least defend everybody on the field. Um, that didn't seem to be an, a, a viable option with either Shagor or Yellen out there. Plenty of offenses have been productive without, you know, with, with quarterbacks that can't necessarily run, but that is a nice element to have. Um, you know, it, it's, it's a, an offense, again, just kind of running through some of the numbers here. You, you saw Parson get 13 carries. He went for 82 yards in the touchdown. It's 6.3 yards per carry. That's yeah. not bad, right? That's, that's encouraging. The two fumbles, obviously, and, and he manned up to that. Uh, owned up to that after the game he had a couple of catches for five yards you saw Jordan Johnson go in there I thought he looked like he had a little bit of a little bit of spring three rushes 21 yards you had Najee Bryant Lillet four carries 21 yards and Tylen Hines the other freshman three runs for six yards uh, receiving wise uh, they really spread things out right we basically had 28 completions between the two quarterbacks Jonah Pinocchio had seven catches went for over 100 yards Jalen Walthall came in kind of looked like a nice big target over the middle Five receptions, 61 yards. James Phillips had seven catches, 33 yards. He's kind of the underneath guy, um, but never could quite break anything on those short throws. Dior Scott, three catches, 27 yards. And we mentioned Zion Bowens, one catch, 10 yards. Jordan Murray, one catch, 12 yards. I, I got Those two guys got to be um, more productive, right? And I'm not saying it's their fault or anything like that, but, but the offense needs – to run through those two guys in a lot of ways, I think. Uh, Gray, who also had one catch for six yards. So, you know, that's kind of the offensive production for this group. And then if, uh, the receivers, the nice thing is there's depth there. And obviously that's showcased by the fact that, what, seven guys caught a pass in the game. And, and they've got they've got quality to rotate guys in. That's that, that I think that's something to feel good about. But at quarterback, right, the old adage, right, if you don't have – if you've got multiple quarterbacks, you got none. And – and that's, you know, I don't know if that's always the case. And I don't know if that's necessarily the case here. We know Shager can win football games at this level. He's done it. He did it last year against Fresno State. Joey Ellen's had success at different stops. I didn't think he looked, it wasn't his best showing yeah. in the game. You know, I was, I was surprised that Shager came back in. It seemed like they were going to play a couple of guys at the very least. That seemed to be the buzz going into yeah. the game. I don't think it was a huge surprise to a lot of folks that Yellen or anybody, somebody came in and start the second half. You know, they listed three guys on the depth chart. Coach Chang going into the week said, hey, I want them to prepare for all five. Right. That includes Cam Cooper, who was on the, the depth chart. That includes Jake Farrell and Armani Eden as the four and five, if you will, whatever order. Um, and so – you know, I, I think there's potential there. Obviously, it's the guy who's going to be able to operate this offense the best. Um, of the guys who have mobility, Armani Eden, I think by far is the guy who brings that the most. Um, you know, and so I, I was a little surprised to see them go back to Shager, making a second change. I thought maybe, hey, maybe Cam Cooper was going to go in there. Maybe it was somebody else, but they opted to go back to Shager. I, I assume Yellen is okay. I haven't heard anything like, Hey, maybe he was a little banged up or anything like that. Um, so I am, I am curious and I, I wonder how they've sort of mapped things out as well, because when you look at it, right, these first three games, non-conference, you got Western Kentucky coming in this weekend. We'll get into that in depth in the second half of this pod quality opponent. You go to Michigan next week, another quality opponent, and so you're looking at games, you know, where Hawaii's going to be close to 10-point 
or larger underdogs. They're going to be larger this weekend and, and much larger against Michigan unless they pull off a huge upset this weekend. And so maybe the the whole plan is over the next few weeks, like we will see, we will continue to see multiple guys and, and they will battle it out to win that job, you know? And I don't know. I don't know. Do you, do you subscribe to that Hunter? It, it's, it's kind of an exercise that, that, that looks like it's going to continue on here as they try to figure out the, the one last point, the, the depth chart for this weekend lists just two guys and Shager uh, and Yellen, and it doesn't have a starter. I don't believe. Yeah, no. Uh, I, number one. Uh-huh. I mean, say what you will, neither of them turn the ball over. Okay. I mean, we talked about yeah. that before that that was going to be of high importance with these guys as they continue this battle is uh, who can hold on to the football. And it seems like who can be the best game manager with style of play, um, style of plays that are being called right now. Uh, it just seems like we need someone out there who can, uh, do the job and do the job uh, effectively. I think, again, it, it's difficult for uh, guys like myself. I, I ran into Chad Owens down there, ran into uh, Greg Salas on the sideline. We all see things from a run and shoot perspective. Okay. And when we see a soft corner on the outside defense, we want to take that hitch all day long. A quick five yards is five yards, any way that you slice it. And it didn't look like Vandy was baiting us to throw deep much all night. And so uh, I really liked what we did in the first, uh, in our first possession with kind of spreading the ball out, getting it out of our hands quickly, settling for um, quick, but sure uh catches on the outside and then i uh i didn't see much of that later in the game it uh it kind of seemed like our our strategy kind of shifted into more of an rpo uh, sort of a style which is fine um we had coach shoemaker on the podcast that guy has a phenomenal football mind uh i'm confident that he knows what he's doing right there and so i i just think whoever's going to play quarterback needs to in some ways, just, yeah, it kind of what Coach Timmy said, we, we just got to be better. Um, I felt like they had enough time in the pocket to make sure throws. Um, at the Division One level, that's all that you really want or uh, expect to have. I felt like the O-line did great there to give us uh, a chance to win. Um, one thing, though, Jordan, I'd like to touch on is, uh, you know, personnel issues were kind of apparent with a few groups where guys weren't maybe on the field um, at the right time when they needed to. Um, I know it caused for us to call timeout in maybe not the best times, or I think it even, uh, it definitely cost us that one touchdown where the guy was wide open in the end zone. Uh, that needs to get ironed out because that is communication between coaches and players. And it uh, wasn't just defense. It was also special teams and a few different personnel. And so from a uh, operation standpoint, that must be tightened in order for us to be a winning football team. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. It looked like a team that was playing their first game, right? In a lot of ways, there, there was a lot of that. And so, I think, you know, uh, touching on the defense a little bit here, you know, this this uh, uh, defense that 
didn't have their best day. And, and we were curious to see how this aisle kind of looked out it, with, with Coach Yoro taking over. Just a tremendous amount of turnover, right? So many new guys, new positions. Um, there didn't seem to be, at least as of yet, that one guy was going to, you know, the Darius Muasal type that's going to get you 10 tackles a game. Um, the leading tackler, Verdell Edwards, defensive back, Leonard Lee, a defensive back with six tackles each. Isaiah Tufanga did have five tackles, Panevihi four. Those are basically your two linebackers in this yeah. setup. Peter Manuma had the three tackles and the force fumble. They did not force a turnover, and they did not have a single tackle for loss behind the line of scrimmage. And that's tough, rip. right? They tried to rip that ball out, uh, I believe it was in the third quarter, but Vandy ended up coming up with it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was, yeah, no, 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 no turnovers, no tackles for loss. So, I mean, that's that's tough when every single play is gaining yards for Vanderbilt. You're never putting them behind the chains. Um, it's 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 tough sledding. And and so I kind of curious your thoughts on the defense here, Hunter. You know, we, we saw a few of those, the touchdown where they they were struggling to kind of get the personnel going. Um, you know, the the lack of takeaways, which is, you know, kind of the name of the game, especially in today's college football where offenses are just flying all over the place um you know in 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 a group that 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 struggled with the mobile quarterback and look not everybody's going to have that type of quarterback every week and and it's a bit more of a pocket passer that they'll face this week with western kentucky but um some of your thoughts generally on the on the defensive effort we saw yeah i thought that um i thought that we we're asked to make a lot of uh, tackles in the open, uh, primarily on that quarterback. And he exposed us, <laughs> um, not just with his outright speed and athleticism, but our inability to tackle in space, which is one of the hardest things to do. Let me just put that out there. The uh, um, advantage is always, almost always in the offense's hands when the defense is required to make an open field tackle, because there's just so many places for the other guy to run. Um, but uh, without naming names, it felt like we, uh, a few guys were kind of exposed out there. Uh, I did not feel like we did a great job containing. Uh, some assignments were definitely blown from either uh, D lineman or, uh, linebackers, you, you know, Jordan, you and I talked about them kind of playing this hybrid uh, three, three, five defense, but obviously one of those uh, linebackers can come down play on the edge. And so tough to tell if it was a lineman or a linebacker at times, but um, say what you will, Vandy really did not throw the ball on us all that well. It was pretty much solely done on the ground, which as a Hawaii fan, it's hard to watch because it just looks like they're running straight through us. Um, being down there on the sideline, I will say this, and it needs to be mentioned, Vandy's O-line was massive. And I mean massive. It's SEC size. So obviously everyone knows Vandy's in the bottom of the barrel of the SEC they looked like a pretty good football team this past Saturday. Um, I don't think it's always just we played horrible. Sometimes the other team also just plays better. And with size differential, um, speed, what those guys are able to recruit with an SEC budget, um, 
it showed itself against us this past Saturday. I, I, I don't want to not count that into this conversation because it's important to note. Yeah, those were SEC athletes, right? They, they, exactly. they were that, that quarterback as well. That's, you know, maybe maybe not a, a vintage SEC quarterback, but boy, he's he's an SEC uh, caliber of talent that, um, you know, we saw that on a couple that of those runs. incredible. I mean, he burned away our accelerated our yeah that was that was something else it's like all right yeah that's that's a, a little different and so you know overall last couple of topics here before we hit the halftime I do want to expand a little bit on that game day experience um you know overall right I think there will be people that point at this and say hey look they need more time right one game new coach new staff um complete roster overhaul having to replace a number of really good players uh, on both sides of the football they need more time and then there will be others that say hey look june jones right he's he's the master fixer you bring him in they don't lose 63 to 10 um you know or or they or there there are others that will say you know hey look you know do you miss todd graham yet right like like hey look at the very least they were a team that that won football games that were competitively in football games, right? A 500 record. I think <clears throat> most of that is a bit of hyperbole. Yeah. Right. When you're talking about it at any huge, massive reaction to game one of a 13 game season in a brand new era, always should be a little tempered. I think it's yep. probably fair to give them a, you know, a quarter of the season to really get a, a fair and accurate sort of grade or at least progress report, I should say on this group. Yep. But how, how do you sort of feel about all of that, Hunter? Yeah, I, I think in this world, we are programmed to have unbelievable results at an unbelievable pace. And it needs to be done quickly. It needs to be done now. Um, but with any of our new coaches that have come through, it takes them a little while to figure out what sort of a team they're going to be. Uh, how they're going to kind of patch a season together. Uh, Rolo's first year with us, we barely made it to 500. We went into a bowl game um, at six and seven. We were an at-large bid to get in there and finish the year with a win at the Hawaii Bowl and finished at seven and seven. So um, those of us that have closely followed the team and watched it uh, from the start of spring all the way to now, have quietly kept our expectations kind of conservative just for the sake of there's so many elements here coach Timmy Chang came in and overtook this team that was in flames uh last offseason uh they attacked the transfer portal The, the majority of our starting lineup on defense is from the transfer portal uh not to mention the 53 new guys on our roster right now that's literally an entire travel roster new into our team right now um brand new coaches new stadium (laughs) there's a lot to kind of put the pieces together right now and at the beginning of the season right now where we play an sec opponent a big 10 opponent that was in the college football playoff in two weeks i think it's important to recall not that long ago we had players leaving our program the uh the state senate was looking deeper into our program for misconduct from our coach towards our players 
The game day environment was fantastic right now. Coach Timmy is a great guy, great coaches around him. Morale is certainly up. We had a packed house down at Ching Complex. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Okay, let's all take a deep breath. We're going to be okay. Yeah, I think it's it's too early, right? It's too early to have a massive reaction one way or the other. Uh, our guy Tanner Hayworth, for the uh, ESPN Honolulu crew, he he was quick to point out, uh, you know, the um, one of the greatest turnarounds in college football history in 1999, University of Hawaii, June Jones's first year. Uh, that started with a 62 to seven loss to a USC team. That was a six and six USC team. This was before uh, they they went on the rocket ship that was Pete Carroll and and. And those guys. So it wasn't like it was a good USC team. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's, it's a good perspective, good perspective. And, and I think to a man, again, the, the players owned up to it after the game, Timmy Chang, I think talked about it right. And in, in his post-game presser, he said, quote, we've, we've just got to get better. <laughs> the film showed we've got to get better in the simple things we do, the fundamentals, leverage, how we attack, taking care of the football, tackling, blocking, being physical. That's what we're trying to get better at. Yeah. That's, that's kind of the, the, the fundamentals of football. And so they they were they were very pragmatic about it, and I, and I think it is fair to assess as such, especially when you look at it, it's like okay, you know what's the talent level look like, and how does that sort of match up against against the opponents here? All right, one quick one before we head out into the halftime here, Hunter. Um, you talked a bit about the the game day experience. I think a lot of people had you know a blast going to it. They're they're still working on some of the logistics, whether it was long lines at the the beer tents or, or running out of water at certain spots or, or you know, the, the, the bathroom situation, but I think overall people seem to have a really positive takeaway and, and had a lot of fun. It was packed all kinds of different food vendors, beverage options. Um, you know, you mentioned the Parson touchdown run, man, that was, you know, sadly the highlight of the game, but it showed the potential. It's like, man, that place can get lively, you know, and, and yeah, the old uh, Aloha stadium newspaper confetti uh, when it comes down to it. And then the other aspect of this, and we didn't get to this last week because, there was just so much to preview and whatnot. But the other big news was the UH Board of Regents approving $30 million for the capital program uh, for Ching upgrades. The, the, the plan now is to go up to 17,000 uh, capacity. Uh, it was 9-1. The board members present voted for it. It's, it's a huge overhaul of that lower campus area. They're going to get rid of the track. They're going to add space. Well, basically take, take that space, add stands in. They're hoping to get to 15,000 by next season the 2023 season. Then the other aspect of that, right? It's like, well, you're, you're going to displace the track team, which has been pretty good over the years. That's going to move to the basically cook field. One of the two practice fields, right? The tiered practice fields where the, the football and the soccer team practices. So you're going to have a nice track there on the new cook field. You're going to have a, a soccer field in the middle of that with a, with, with some, some stands. Uh, and that'll be the eventual new home of the Rainbow Wahine soccer team, which I think is huge for that program. I love YPO. It's a really good stadium where they play at their home games. It's just, you know, it's in YPO. It's not on campus. And so now if you're playing, you know, weeknight games there, man, you can get some students. It's going to be lively. I think it's going to help recruiting for Bud Nagamine and her program. But I digress here a little bit. So you're going to have a nice little track and soccer facility adjacent to that. You're going to have a built out. And that should be a couple of years is the timeline there. Uh, to get that up and operational with the track and the soccer, the soccer field. Um, and 17,000 should be down the pipeline for the University of Hawaii football team. Again, they're hoping to get to 15 by next year. Uh, it includes installing a 75 foot video screen that's going to come over <laughs> from Aloha Stadium. And, and so it's kind of interesting because you juxtapose that with, hey, the state's moving forward on their $400 million appropriation for the new Aloha Stadium. And so 
the Board of Regents kind of interestingly saw that and still decided, hey, look, we need to take matters into our own hands. So it, 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 this could this could get kind of interesting. The timelines, we all know how these projects go. Uh, but there, I think Saturday was a showcase of the potential of that on-campus stadium. You double that capacity, things get a little different, a lot more people in there, a lot louder, even better home field advantage perhaps. But all that considered, Hunter, what 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 did you think of, of how things kind of played out on Saturday and now the fact that the Board of Regents is saying, yeah, we're going up to 17? Well, it was an absolutely fantastic game day environment. We knew that it was going to be after what we saw with the spring game. Um, it was a party down there, man. Uh, and the fact that the Board of Regents has approved to build more at Ching just shows that they're actually listening to what the public wants and what the students want, what uh, the players and the coaches want to see happen. We want to keep the party on campus. Uh, one little quick note about um, the women's track situation. This isn't just a duct taped solution, you know, for what uh, what they need or, you know, what could happen here. Uh, what people may or may not know is actually the women's track team kind of shares that grass facility with the women's soccer team already. Um, that's where the shot put in the discus um, kind of pit is, is down there. And they even have a long jump uh, sand pit in the far corner of that field as well. So it almost naturally feels like they share that facility anyway. Let's make this thing official and put some stands there for women's soccer. I mean, I don't know of really any women's soccer players that would be opposed to having their games on campus as well. Um, it's just a better environment for everybody. It seems like a win across the board, Jordan, kind of going back to Saturday. Um, I counted, I think, 10 food trucks or something along those lines. No, it was a stand or something of, of that nature. Um, plenty of options for people. Uh it's a completely different game day environment where the fans can walk onto the, the track literally right up to kind of the security line right next to um, our sideline and be within a uh, 10 foot, you know, proximity to the players that they're rooting for. It's as intimate as an environment that, that you could possibly get. Um, it was both a good thing and maybe, not such a good thing that you have the occasional uh, uncle down there yelling in a player's ear, <laughs> which did happen also at Aloha Stadium. You could come right down and yell at somebody if, if you wanted to. Um, but, uh, I mean, from my perspective, it was fantastic. I will say with it being a nationally televised game, some people complained that the sun was a little intense. Uh, and mm. as the uh, resident Howley down there, I uh, did get my fair share of rays <laughs> uh, with a 4.30 start time. That sun was beating down on us pretty heavy. And the majority of the seating um, is kind of on that, uh, that north sideline, which the sun is right there and kind of beaming off of the, the turf as well. Uh, one also note, I love that they gave seats to the band, Jordan, that was an issue kind of from the start of this whole TC Ching experiment was where do we put the band? Um, they kind of split up the west end zone seating section between half of it will go to uh, the uh, the student section and then the other half will be for the band. 
Um, they're an important part of the game. We need them there and they deserve to be able to see the game as well. Cause that they're, that they're part of what makes a UH game day special. So um, without getting too much further into it, if you haven't been down to a game yet, come check it out. It's a phenomenal environment. So much fun down there. You can holler at me. Many of our listeners did. So good to see you guys. And uh, yeah, Jordan, we want you to come out and see it too. Yeah, no, it, it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun. And and I hope people are, uh, are still on board. You know, you don't, you don't want them to get scared off by right. just one loss, uh, even in the fashion that it was. All right. We'll, uh, we'll get you uh, a preview of that Western Kentucky game coming up here on the other side of our quick halftime break. This is Hawaii Football Now, episode 53. This is Hawaii Football Now from ESPN Honolulu. All right, second half time here on episode 53. Hawaii Football Now, Jordan Hunter back with you. We got Western Kentucky coming to town this Saturday. Hilltoppers 9-5 and five last year. We mentioned really good team lost in the Conference USA championship game to texas san antonio ended up winning the boca raton bowl against app state uh picked to finish third this year in conference usa between ut uh, behind utsa and uab their head coach tyson helton a familiar name i think to some longtime university of hawaii fans he was a ga at the university of hawaii in 2000 uh, and then became the special teams coordinator for three years from 2001 to 2003 under june jones uh, of course, overlapping with Timmy, right? He was there during a lot of the really successful years with Rolo and Timmy at, as the quarterbacks of this program. Uh, currently, again, as we record this Tuesday morning, uh, Western Kentucky 16-point favorites. So Hawaii's plus 16 on the line. This is the first ever meeting between Hawaii and Western Kentucky. So uh, second straight week that Hawaii will uh, play opponent. They've never, they've never met before. Um, last week, Western Kentucky... Not a huge resounding result. They did pick up the win against FCS Austin P. They were actually tied. Um, excuse me. They were up just one point at halftime against Austin B. Austin P up one point after three quarters. They end up winning it 38-27. It was a one-score game up until about four minutes left in the ball game when they led it 35-27, got a late field goal to ice it out. Uh, Austin Reed is the quarterback there, right? You remember Bailey Zappi, who had an, ex- uh, an outstanding career, really kind of lit the record books on fire there at Western Kentucky. He's a draft pick of the Patriots this past season. They were looking to replace him. We thought it was going to be Jared Dagey, who was the transfer from West Virginia, threw it all over the place in Morgantown. We thought he was going to be the guy. Instead, it's another transfer. Dagey leaves to go to Troy. Maybe the writing was on the wall because Austin Reed wins the job. He transferred from West Florida, Division II school. He actually led the Argos to a Division II national championship in 2019. This guy can spin it. Uh, he went 19 of tw- 33, 276 yards. Not bad, but he did throw four touchdowns, one pick in the win against Austin P. Um, Davion Irvin Poindexter, who's an Indiana transfer. A lot of transfers on this team. That'll be kind of a theme as we go throughout. Uh, their main running back got 15 carries, only 48 yards. You could also see um, Ja'Kerry Moses and Kai Robichaux get a fair share of carries at well. But it, it's a team that likes to throw the football under Tyson Helton. Uh, Daywood Davis is is one of the guys to keep your eye on at receiver, 6'2", 195 pounds, second year at Western Kentucky after transferring from Oregon. Uh, so that's his pedigree. You got Malachi Corley out there, 5'11", 210, kind of a stocky guy, dangerous target. Um, they combined for 11 catches, <clears throat> over 100 yards 
uh, and all four of the touchdowns. Corley actually had three of the touchdowns on 61 yards receiving. Uh, Akron transfer, Michael Matheson, also a really dangerous playmaker, about 5'10", 180. Uh, Austin P. good program, I will say. They were ranked for part of the year last year in the FCS. Uh, kind of a contender always in the Ohio Valley Conference. Jaquez Evans, uh, their sophomore linebacker, is kind of their guy on yeah. defense. And so, look, this, uh, this is another tough test for the University of Hawaii. It's not an easy non-conference, right? It, yeah, it was 2-10 Vanderbilt coming in, but uh, Commodores were actually close as about 9.5-point favorites. You're looking at a double-digit line this week, Hawaii, 16-point dogs. It'll probably hover somewhere around there by the time they kick things off on Saturday. And so, look, they're uh, based on week zero and the outcomes there. I think this is uh, another another stiff test for Hawaii, uh, you know, a week before they got to head over to the big house. Yeah, it's going to be a completely different uh, game from a fan's perspective. Uh, Western Kentucky is a pass-first offense. And I think this is going to be our opportunity from a defensive perspective with so much emphasis in the offseason on uh, recruiting DBs and really kind of packing out our secondary where this will be our opportunity to get some takeaways this weekend. Uh, very tough whenever you're playing a team that's bigger than you uh, to force fumbles just because it's a little bit more sure handed uh, for for the other team to not give the ball up. I think this is our opportunity from a defensive perspective to kind of make a statement and make up for no turnovers in the, uh, the first game. And then, um, yeah, I, this, we've talked about it for the last couple of weeks, Jordan, this is a test for us as an offense of, are we going to be dialed and can we put some points on the board? Because, I don't think 10 points is going to get it done against Western Kentucky. We're going to need to probably be in the thirties uh, if not more so. And uh, yeah, that that's kind of my read on what I expect of what this Saturday needs to happen for us to come away, come away with the W. Yeah, I think so. They're going to need to score points. That that's, that's imperative. I think, you know, we saw a bit of that um, on Saturday against, against Vanderbilt where it's like, okay, yeah, this, this, you know, it's a defense that, that just doesn't quite have the horses that we've seen the last couple of years with all the departures. And so it's going to have to be a little bit different recipe uh, and they're going to need this offense to, to kick into high gear. And, and, and maybe this is an opportunity and, and look, Austin P hung 27 on Western Kentucky a, a week ago, then hopefully Hawaii can, can find a little bit of success there. And, and to be honest, one of the touchdowns for Western Kentucky was a pick six, uh, in that game against Austin P. So they also held the offense to about 31 points held in air quotes. Um, but I, I do think this is another, another stiff test. And, and I guess we'll see exactly how they, how they approach this from a quarterbacking standpoint, you know, for the university of Hawaii, is it going to be a rotation again? Is it going to be Shager who gets the start? Uh, do we see, see yelling, get the opportunity maybe to start the game? Cause it is a different dynamic, obviously, right? You, you start the game zero, zero versus coming into a game at halftime where maybe you're down 21 to 10, like we saw it against Vandy so yeah this is a good program and I think it's kind of cool and and I believe this was set up before this is how things work out scheduling wise but it's kind of cool you got Tyson Elton former University of Hawaii assistant that was there when Timmy Chang was there uh and and those two getting the programs together for the first time on the field uh got to be kind of a cool homecoming for Coach Elton oh yeah definitely and uh, I think Reinbold was even on the staff during that time too so it's uh it's cool to see Hawaii connections 
everywhere. Uh, whenever I go back to the mainland and, you know, it's kind of the perspective in the Midwest. It's like, oh, yeah, Hawaii is just off in the distance. But from a football perspective, it seems to be this uh, transient place that so many coaches and players have made a stop through at some one point or another. So uh, it doesn't surprise me at all that we have some connection with Western Kentucky. That's pretty cool. Yeah, of all places, right, uh, over there in uh, Western Kentucky, the Hilltoppers. You, there's, there's Hawaii connections everywhere, especially in the football, man. There's, there's, there's such a wide net, such a wide range there. All right, uh, getting into the, some of the comments. It's officially season because our guy Al oh, from boy. VA is back. He's, He's back. back in the comments. He had gone a little quiet during the offseason, understandably so. If you, you know, you maybe you, look you at took his a, chops, man. He's getting a few, he, you took a few weeks off, not just out from you, but anyway, you took a few weeks off during the off season. I get it. Um, you know, we, we do appreciate the folks who, who tune in, whether it's, you know, every so few weeks or, or if it's every week. Uh, but I got out from VA, you know, it's some, some, some critical comments on, on, on how things went and which I think is fair. They lost 63 to 10, right? <laughs> it's not, it's not like you're going to come with roses, uh, after that one, uh, he said the team looked helpless. I think at times, you know, the third quarter was just rough, rough. The the first half, some self-inflicted wounds. I didn't think it was all that bad. Um, but like I said, you know, I, he's not the only one that's that, that that brings up the names of Coach Graham and and Coach Jones and and Rich Biano, who was a, another guy who was in line right to who applied for the job. And it's like, yeah, like. I get it, right? I think that's the natural indication. It's like, hey, would this have gone nearly as bad if somebody else was in charge? Eh, hard to say, impossible to say, right? And so I think the the, the one the thing that game. I right, exactly. It's it's the first game of a new era with a whole lot of turnover against an SEC opponent, albeit the the worst SEC opponent that you could choose uh, from a from a quality and pedigree standpoint, but. Yeah, I think it's just it's early. It's early, right? And and for the folks that are going to be more critical, I think, hey, fair, fair, right? That's that's the name of the game. That's the business at this point. He did bring up one guy that was kind of interesting. Um, he mentioned Leonard. He mentioned Kuali Nishigai. He mentioned Wyndon Hole Huli, um, who's the number two at that spot behind Jonah Kahavai Welch as kind of that hybrid guy, right? Linebacker, outside linebacker, defensive end. Uh, but Kuali Nishigai, uh, who had you know, shown some flashes in years past, but we haven't really seen him uh, might have to do a little more uh, asking around exactly, uh, you know, where does, where does he fit in? I think he was off the roster at one point back on uh, if I'm not mistaken um, with all of the, the turnover, right. Uh, yeah. As we've seen with a lot of different guys, same, same thing, obviously with Leonard Lee. Um, but I yeah, think, I'm not I, sure. He, I think he's actually hurt right now. Yeah. Is that what it is? Okay. Yeah. So I, I saw him a, a few times on the sideline. Um, didn't mean to interject, but uh, no, no, no. Yeah, he was in um, uh, warm-ups pretty much the, the whole time while he was on the sideline with with some shades on. So I think he's he's nursing an injury right now. Yeah, he'd be he'd be a nice addition, I think, with his ability to work in that slot to you know yeah. these quick RPO slants and things like that. So it could be interesting. Our guy John also uh, jumping back on the comment train, uh, kind of similar observations, right? They started strong, and then you know as he as he pointed out, a lot of those holes that were. Um, plugging in with transfers or different guys and it got exposed a little bit yeah I think you know some of these guys getting their first experience out there it's gonna to be tough um he says two wins as the expectation I I was on record the last couple of weeks it's like oh. hey if they get to five if they can get to five wins I think that's a big accomplishment with the the, the quality on the roster 
And and as much as anything, the the level of schedule that this team is playing, I think I think five wins would be pretty good, which is still in play. They got yeah. twelve more to go here. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's a year where we focus on conference and see how we shake up um, against other Mountain West schools. Uh, if I'm if I'm the head coach right now, I'm just making a comment about Fresno every single week. Just something about Fresno, even though they might be a great team. The, the season doesn't have to be a wash if we only win two or three games and still beat Fresno. So I, I would be kind of circling that as a priority, um, something to emphasize. And uh, yeah, it, it's anytime you play a huge non-conference team like an SEC opponent, obviously we play the big house in a few weeks. It's not the emphasis. We need to focus on how we, how we uh, match up against guys in the Mountain West. Yeah, I'm with you there. I think that'll be the big gauge. And that's why I think, you know, hey, maybe the the plan is and how they map out the whole quarterback competition. It, it might not just be a camp, a week one type of thing. I think, you know, yeah. with these four loaded um, non-conference games before the start of the Mountain West slate, I think we could see a little bit of that. So going to be interesting to see. Again, Western Kentucky coming up this Saturday. Of course, you can catch all the action on ESPN Honolulu. John Mark Veneri and our guy Hunter working on the call as well. Great job this weekend, by the way, uh, Thanks, in the man. debut of the, uh, the Breda, Breda broadcast uh, on that countdown to kickoff. We'll get you going as well. Again, regular, regular, the usual home kickoff time, 6 p.m. Uh, there in Manoa. Uh, okay, so a little overtime here. Uh, we'll end it on a high note. The uh, Honolulu Little Leaguers, who are just a juggernaut at this point, just obliterating teams, won the Lily World Series championship 13-3 to in a run-shortened game. They were down one to nothing, uh, but I don't know if anybody really panicked because they just, yeah. just obliterate baseballs. They've got pitching for days. Uh, they did give up the three runs, but again, it was a, it was another 10-run rule. Uh, that team, Coach Gerald Oda, they, uh, they just rolled. They rolled, and uh, congrats to those guys. I know they got a, a hero's welcome yesterday returning uh, back home to Honolulu, but uh, that's pretty cool, man, and uh, a lot of pride, and uh, not going to lie, it was kind of a nice little pick-me-up after the UH football game on Saturday night, where it's like, ah, you know, a little, little down, a little bummed, and then uh, woke up nice and early, uh, got ready for the Honolulu Little Leaguers, who, uh, who restored a bit of pride, and uh, just, just amazing. There was like no drama on Saturday, even though they were down early. Totally. I, I mean, they had a 60 to 5 run differential at Williamsport, Jordan. Not bad. Not bad. And I mean, they destroyed teams. Uh, I, I am not a real big fan of the slaughter rule, period. I think you play the game to the end of the game. Uh, but obviously, they have that in place for time and things like that whenever you're in the middle of the tournament because you've got other teams waiting to use the field. But the championship game, that, that you're going to use the slaughter rule in the championship game, that they only made it to four innings. It's unbelievable. Um, that, that's supposed to be the best that the international side of the bracket can throw at you, and we still beat them 13-3. to three. I mean, these guys absolutely destroyed teams. It was awesome. Yeah, just just with how purely dominant they were, it was it was kind of amazing to, Almost to see. Perfect. Yeah, again, yeah, as you pointed out, five runs given up, three of them came in the championship game. 
Do we say historic? They, I don't know if they're. Yeah, I think I think so. I think so. I mean, the numbers will tell you that it that, that it's quite historic. I, I will say I do think it's not to take anything away from them. There, the there wasn't a whole lot of dominant pitching on the U.S. side of the bracket in particular. Some of the guys on the on the international guys on the international side either got eliminated or for Curacao were ineligible to pitch. Uh, but Hawaii had, I think, by far the best pitching with Sakamoto and Lancaster and, and everybody else they threw in there. But I don't know if the other teams quite had some of the pitching quality that we've seen in years past. You know, a guy like Gavin Weir last year. athlete quality, too. Did you see that Indiana team? They're, 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 they're built a little different over there. Let me just put it that way. No, but I, I think for this white team, right, and that 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 just shows you at how good in the level that yes. these kids were at. It's like they made teams look like that, right? And so, yeah, a big, big congrats to them. Big congrats to the, the Honolulu League, to Hawaii again. Fourth Little League World Series championship uh, for the state of Hawaii, which now ties them for the second most all-time by any of the U.S. states. That's pretty damn impressive um, yes. when everything breaks down. Uh, one other quick note uh, for the Hawaii football fans out there. If you're interested, Friday night out at Midalani, Bishop Gorman's playing St. Louis. And, of course, Gorman's got those three Hawaii commits, right? Uh, corner Elijah Palmer, linebacker Jemiah Otis, and defensive lineman Aiden McCumber. They've also got a ton of other Division One talent <laughs> there at Gorman. Guys going to Wisconsin, guys going to Oregon and, and the like, uh, including a, f- a few, you know, Hawaii guys, Hawaii-born guys that are that are living up there or f- folks with Hawaii ties. Um, so, yeah, if, if you're if you're bored, you want to go check that out in person. It will be televised as well here locally but um or see coach Mil- chris brown's shoulders because i'm sure yeah he'll, he'll be there for sure right he'll be there uh right. i i gotta imagine i'm gonna imagine there's gonna be a, a few of the hawaii coaches out there just you know checking it out maybe uh maybe making some handshakes and uh you know hopefully getting some of these guys to recruit because obviously not just a gorman but what st louis has historically i think they're a little down this year um, you know, as, as opposed to years past, but a down year at St. Louis is, you know, like a, an all-time year at most other schools. So, right. uh, that should be a fun one, but, but just wanted to make that, put that on people's radar if they wanted to check that out Friday night. And then obviously Saturday, the UH game. So that should be a lot of fun as well. And a lot of fun as always with you, my man. Uh, big thanks to you, Hunter. Big thanks to our guy, Jaron, who, uh, will have to edit this podcast extensively. Maybe the most editing he's ever had to do. Uh, but you all listening to the podcast will never know that because it'll come out smooth as silk right. uh, as it goes through the cutting room floor. And Jaron, uh, who will probably have to spend a little extra time on this one. So thank you, Jaron. Uh, we appreciate you very much. All right, Hunter, uh, we'll head out of here. Big thanks to all the folks tuning in as well. A big mahalo to Spectrum Mobile Hawaii USA Federal Credit Union and Battery Bill. Welcome on board, Battery Bill. Excited for that as well. This has been Hawaii Football Now, episode 53. We'll see you next week, everybody. Enjoy the games this weekend. Aloha. You've been listening to Hawaii Football Now with Jordan Halley and Hunter Hughes, all from ESPN Honolulu.